Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first broadcast of the LA Sports Roundtable. I'm the HAF, Faisal Sadiq. With me is Matt Montoya, and we'll be joined by Brian Strayer in future podcasts. We're here podcasting to you from RT1 Studios. And we want to bring you a show here at the LA Sports Roundtable that features our thoughts and opinions regarding LA sports. To those who listen, thank you. And please share your thoughts and opinions with us on Twitter at LA Sports RT1. Once again, at LA Sports RT1. We decided to podcast our opinions about LA sports because we're sports fans. And right now, probably like you, we're quarantining to be safe. So our best thoughts go to you and your families to get through these tough times and be healthy. Today, we're going to be talking about some interesting topics about the LA Rams for our inaugural podcast. First up, recent news is the trade of Brandon Cooks. The LA Rams traded Cooks in a future fourth round pick to the Houston Texans for a second round pick in this year's NFL draft. The Rams received some praise for getting a second rounder from the Texans. The Texans, questionably, under the direction of Bill O'Brien, make another trade that's already received criticism. The Rams take on a big dead cap hit with the trade of Cooks, however. Cooks didn't have the best season last year and had multiple concussions. The Rams getting a second is viewed as a plus because they get away from his big contract they gave him soon after acquiring him before the 2018 season. It now seems we know why Cooks recently posted a cryptic tweet asking for him to be freed. He wanted out of L.A. The Texans try to make up for the loss of trading DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals. Cooks isn't Hopkins, though, and it appears this year's draft is deep at the wide receiver position. So, how did the Rams be able to get a second rounder from the Texans? Toya? What are your thoughts about the Brandon Cooks trade? Well, I think it's a huge win for the Rams. And the first reason why I think it's a huge win for the Rams is because of the concussion history that Cooks has shown. If you take a look at his first five years in the, in the league, he was a thousand yard plus receiver. But over the last couple of years, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And with a concussion history like that, he's not reliable. So in the, spirit of Bill O'Brien being Bill O'Brien and his ties to the New England Cheetahs, I think this is just par for the course. It's just another bad decision from a coach who has no business being a, a GM at the same time. Well, that's the big thing there is Bill O'Brien and giving away yet another pick for a questionable asset in return. Um, my question is, but how can they have gotten this out of Bill O'Brien? It seems like a second rounder is a, is a big win for the Rams. It is a big win for the Rams. But at the same time, this is Bill O'Brien trying to find someone he feels is the same caliber as the person he just traded away because of an ego issue. And no other reason other than an ego issue. So he's reaching and he's looking for a good trade partner. 
He's looking for someone with speed who can take the top off of the defense, which Cooks can do if he's actually playing. I just don't see him making it through an entire season. So to get a second-round pick, they giving up the second-round pick is a huge win for the Rams. Bill O'Brien is trying to save face, if you will, for trading away DeAndre Hopkins with, and by receiving someone who can also do what Hopkins did and that's take the top off of the defense. Okay, but, so you bring up a good point there with uh, uh, Cooks' speed. And uh, obviously there was something behind the scenes there going on with Hopkins and O'Brien. Oh, I mean, the Rams are definitely going to see that defensively when they play the Cardinals now, especially when you take a look at the quarterback that the Cardinals have, who I believe is an up-and-coming quarterback. But that's a different discussion later. What they gave up with Cooks is a similar type of speed, but how many, how many games is he actually going to be in the lineup for? That's the big question mark. What well, you bring up value? a good point, Dan. That was the big question for Cooks last year. Yes. And that's, that's really going to be the true point of value. If Cooks plays all 16 games, which I really don't think he will next year, this could technically be a really good trade for both teams in the fact that the Rams got a second-round pick and the Texans got a quality receiver. But given his recent concussion history, I just don't see that being possible. And another thing with Cooks is his contract. The contract is huge. And, I, you know, the Rams – um, I heard another sports talk radio analyst um, say this, and I'm going to steal it from him. The Rams are kind of upside down when you take a look at a lot of the contracts that they're paying this year for players who aren't going to be on the team. So this is that's going to be a huge negative for the Rams. Right. Well, um, I think the number is like 40, 40% of their uh, salary in 2020 is going to go towards players who aren't even on the team. Well, that's a remarkable number, if that's true. Yeah, absolutely, Toya. And uh, the interesting thing about Cooks, too, in that contract is he came into L.A. for a first-rounder, and that was before the 2018 season. Immediately, the Rams extended him for five years. And so that means he played just the first year of that extension before the Rams get away from that contract. What does that say about the Rams and um, the contracts they've been given out through less, well, uh, less need? I think they've been signing people way too big and way too soon. It's the exact same reason as to why they don't have a starting running back right now, because they signed him way too big, way too soon. And the same thing's going to happen with Jared Goff. Well, you bring up a good point, And that's our next topic here is Todd Gurley. The Rams also lost Todd Gurley, Toya, and that is another big loss. After winning Offensive Player of the Year for the 17th season, the Rams showed good faith and rewarded Gurley with an extension with two years to go. Gurley broke down late in the 18th season on their way to the Super Bowl. He was ineffective last season in 19. And the Rams couldn't find a trade partner and released Gurley. Toya, how will the loss of Gurley impact the Rams going into 2020? Well, I need to give a little bit of background on myself first. Growing up in Colorado, I, for the most part, was a big 
LA sports fan. I'm a big Angels fan. I'm a big Lakers fan. But growing up football-wise, I've always been a Broncos fan. So that's going to allow me to not necessarily have the same level of emotion that you and Brian will when I talk about the Rams. With that being said, in the Super Bowl, the Rams were relying on a former Bronco and C.J. Anderson, who I believe did a really good job of spelling the running back duties without, you know, whether Gurley was in or not. So it goes back to my initial point that they signed Gurley too early. They signed him too big. And I don't know if you necessarily want to pay running backs um, because they don't necessarily have a long shelf life. And I just don't know that you're going to get the return on investment. Well, by signing Gurley to the extension after he won offensive player of the year, uh, the Rams obviously wanted to show that uh, they reward their players. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, but in the age of the salary cap, I mean, it was all just for show. Everyone had to know that this couldn't last. Gurley's numbers would have to be top of the league every year in order for him to stick around and live out some of that contract, especially when you consider that he was one of the last players who was still around from the St. Louis days. Well, you bring up a good point there, yeah. And um, you have to talk about, you know, he was drafted the last year. The Rams were in St. Louis. And when he was drafted really high in the first round, there were concerns about his knee because he suffered a knee injury at the University of Georgia. Well, one of the things about all running backs, especially in today's league, is it doesn't really seem like you have that Eric Dickerson type of runner who stays in the league for a long time. I realize Eric Dickerson didn't play his whole career with the Rams, but he did have a long career. A Marcus Allen is another example. You just don't see backs having careers like that. What so do you think about up- Gore is still playing at age 36 and looking for a new contract? Well, he's the anomaly, though. I mean, when, who besides Gore have you seen since really who is the last long-term running back we've seen in the league outside of maybe Shady McCoy? Shady McCoy is the closest thing you've got uh, to Gore. And even then, I you know, I, I don't see a lot of production out of Shady McCoy right now. Look, look, look at the Super Bowl. Well, look at the Super Bowl and uh, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was completely ineffective in the Super Bowl. And um, if you think about it, they only have – or they only had the first five years of Gurley's career, and he signed a one-year deal with Atlanta. So who knows how long Gurley is going to be um, in the league. I don't see him in the league for much longer. He's a bruiser type of back, which also shortens his career. And you mentioned the college um, era knee injuries to begin with. I think the Rams got good value for what they did get out of Gurley for as long as they did. But a guy that size who takes that kind of pounding, look at C.J. Anderson. I mean, he you know won a Super Bowl with the Broncos and pretty much fizzled out of the league almost immediately thereafter. Well, that was surprising. There was no interest in C.J. Anderson. And then when he did sign with the Rams late in the 18th season, um, he seemed to be pretty effective then. Well, why, why was he effective, though? After the Broncos let him go, he signed with Carolina, and he was behind um, Ed McCaffrey's son, Christian McCaffrey, who got 
the majority of the carries and then was eventually CJ was eventually cut and picked up by the Rams. And when he was picked up by the Rams, he was essentially fresh. And also the Rams offensive line that year was pretty good. If you want yeah, to that helps a lot. lines from last year to the year before the Super Bowl team. Um, you had Roger Saffold and uh, John Sullivan there. And uh, last year the Rams opened up with Brian Allen and Joseph Nopu, um, both unproven uh, players early in their careers. And it, as a Broncos fan, I can tell you the offensive line can make a huge, huge difference. To kind of take a look at it, this from the outside, take a look at Philip Lindsay. I mean, Philip Lindsay's been a very productive back for being undrafted, two thousand yard back to back seasons, and the Broncos still went out and got Gordon. And so, you can say the same thing about James Conner in Pittsburgh as well, huh, Toya? Absolutely, same thing. There's not a lot of faith in running backs, and honestly, the running back position hasn't really done enough to garner any faith from anyone outside of probably Gurley, and I think his shelf life has expired. Well, that's why, like you said, those offensive lines can make a big difference, and uh, Gurley didn't perform well last year with the Rams' offensive line being so weak, just like uh, the first year the Rams came back to Los Angeles in 2016 under Jeff Fisher when Gurley had a completely horrible season and then rebounded the next year under Sean McVay's first year. Well, and again, that goes back to not only is the offensive line pivotal, but there's also a little bit of motivation from the running back perspective. And again, I go back to my Broncos. Take a look at the Broncos' current offensive line. Look at Garrett Bowles. He led the league in holding penalties. He did everything he could to help the opposing defense, and yet Philip Lindsay still managed to get 1,000 yards. So when you compare that to Gurley and his ups and downs, I, I think that part of that was very true with the offensive line, but there's also a part of it that maybe he kind of gave up a little bit on, in that year with Jeff Fisher. Yeah, yeah, you could say that as well. Um, seems like that could have been one of the reasons why Jeff Fisher um, was fired before the season ended. Um, is that he lost? Well, Jeff Fisher may have lost the uh, the locker room. Well, not only that, I mean Jeff Fisher is kind of like the guy we were just talking about in Houston, in terms of you know the, that last bit of time with the Rams. He was almost as mentally unstable as O'Brien. Well, it seems like those coaches uh, tend to have long coaching careers in the NFL. <laughs> That's a valid point. I mean, Fisher during his time with the Titans was the most tenured. Uh, coach in the league for quite some time, uh-huh. followed uh-huh. by followed by Andy Reid, who's also still a fairly new tenured coach right now in Kansas City. Well, Andy Reid just cemented his uh, trip to the Hall of Fame with that Super Bowl victory over the 49ers this year. Yeah, it looks like he made the necessary changes. You know, usually the thing about an Andy Reid-led team is they do the exact same thing through the regular season and then don't make the necessary adjustments in the playoffs. And that's why, you know, even under the Donovan McNabb years, they only saw one Super Bowl. So kudos right. to him. As a Broncos fan, it, yeah. pains me, it pains me to say that, but kudos to him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking as, uh, I guess you can say, former Raiders fan, because I grew up uh, – 
in the eighties when both teams were here. Uh, I liked them both. And uh, now I'm just uh, rooting for the Rams here. And our uh, sports commentary is focusing on the LA sports, but um, as an LA Raiders fan, as a kid, it uh, didn't really, I don't know, impress me very much every time I watch the Raiders play the Chiefs because uh, actually, if you could look at the Raiders' history, they've lost a lot. But uh, they would always lose to the Chiefs, it seems like. But um, so, but anyway, turning it full circle back to LA Sports, Toya, and you were talking about offensive line importance uh, to success for running backs. Um, the Rams' offensive line will see the return of veteran Andrew Whitworth, who signed a three-year deal with only the first being guaranteed. So my question to you, Toya, um, as an NFL fan who likes the Broncos, and you're making uh, your, your commentary here about the LA Rams, uh, what do you think? Uh, does Whitworth still have what it takes and um, to have some, uh, you know, Juice in the tank? You know, there's a guy I listened to in Denver. His name's Cecil Lammy. And a couple of years ago, he was pounding the table that we should get rid of Garrett Bowles and push for Andrew Whitworth. And a couple of years ago, I would say you're 100% correct. I don't know. Looking at Whitworth last year, I think he's really kind of fallen off the cliff. We'll see what happens because um, he's been a quality offensive lineman throughout his whole time in the league. Um, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I just feel like last year in the games that I did see, he looks like he's fallen off the cliff. You as a Rams fan, how do you feel about that? Um, would you agree or disagree with me? Well, personally, um, I think the question with the offensive line was that they were so young in the middle at the beginning of the season. You had Brian Allen and Joseph Noteboom, who I think were second-year players, who didn't really play the rookie years and uh, you throw them in there to the limelight after you lose the Super Bowl offensive line with John Sullivan in the middle and Roger Saffold. Um, Sullivan, they released because they didn't want to pay him, I think five and a half million and ultimately retired. And uh, I guess he didn't want to take less money or um, didn't want to wait for the Rams. So he just retired and ended up losing a lot of weight. Saffold signed as a free agent with the Titans at three years, 33 million. So as you also mentioned earlier, Toya, the Rams have these um, contracts that have been uh, ballooning. So they didn't want to retain Saffold and uh, they inserted Joseph Noteboom there. And Joseph Noteboom came into the league as a fourth rounder, I believe as um, um, a left tackle Left off, yeah, offensive tackle prospect. And there you have Whitworth. <clears throat> and so Whitworth is sealed there. So they put Noteboom in to Saffold's old spot. And Brian Allen, who um, I read some reports, um, wasn't projected to be um, uh, a starting center. And that's his position. And he's a little um, small sized at his position. And that's. Uh, you know, really where you see the difference between um, having John Sullivan and Roger Saffold in the middle. And um, I think Whitworth um, could have been maybe, I don't know, overwhelmed as a result of uh, 
such a weak middle offensive line to start the season. Um, I think Noteboom was showing pro, uh, some progress before he got injured with his knee injury. And then uh, Allen, I think, was just a disaster, and he went down with his own knee injury. And uh, when they put Austin Blythe in the middle, um, I felt that uh, really strengthened the um, interior part of the offensive line going late into the season. So, um, I don't know. Um, if we, once we get into our draft uh, wish list topic here, um, you know, I'll tell you why I don't really believe offensive line is a priority for the early draft picks, at least. Um, but yeah, I think Whitworth. Um, I don't know. I think he can maybe, hopefully, still do it. He's old. He's um, at the obviously uh, tail end of his career. And if he doesn't break down, um, uh, he I think he could protect uh, Jared Goff's blind side. Um, well, one thing I want to correct you on is you said the gentleman who retired. I can't think of his name. Um, you said Sullivan. The Rams, you said the Rams didn't want Sullivan. I don't think it's a matter of didn't want him. I think they can't afford him like, because of the salary cap issues and your current GM and the way he structured a lot of these contracts that are now coming back to pay the piper. I don't think they had the cap room to pay much more than what he may have been offered. Yes. And uh, I think maybe they wanted to bring him back at a reduced salary. Um, I don't know if he would take it, would have, you know, or, um, uh, but I read somewhere, I remember reading somewhere, he didn't want to wait um, to see if there would be money left over or something like that. And ultimately just decided to retire and not uh, try to pursue uh a spot with another team. Well, I, I think the biggest mistake that your the Rams GM has made was he made a lot of big splashes to sign a lot of names that would close the deal on a lot of season ticket licensing for the new stadium, but he didn't see the forest for the trees. And now that uh, he sold those licenses, they may not have a product <laughs> that's worth the cost of those licenses to put on the field when they actually open up the stadium the Chargers might actually be putting out a better product in the Rams stadium. Well, the Rams GM, Lesney, did did make a big splash coming into L.A. with trading all those picks to get Jared Goff, number one. And um, he kept trying to make these splashes, and he's made these deals. And, um, and one of those deals was the Cooks deal. And uh, signing uh, Andrew Whitworth. Um I think the details of the Whitworth contract is going to be something around 10 million for the first year that's guaranteed. And who knows, you know, I mean, if, um, I don't know, I think he's what 38 or something like that. Maybe he could go into his forties and, uh, have this be his last contract and, uh, hopefully end it with the Super Bowl victory after his long illustrious career as an offensive tackle coming in from the Cincinnati Bengals, not really seeing much, um, Action there, I think he did with uh, – I think he was on that Carson Palmer playoff team. Um, maybe the, uh, the Bengals, I don't know. I know he saw the playoffs in the, with the Bengals before, you know, coming to the Rams at least once. But, um, yeah, uh, that's going to be interesting going into the season. Toya is um, that offensive line. But um, – 
talking about the offensive line and the draft coming up, how about we move to the next topic of top three prospects the Rams should consider drafting. What do you think, Toya? Finally, we're going to talk about our wish list for top three prospects for the Rams to draft this year. For me, I hear a lot about the offensive line being a weakness like we just talked about in our recent discussion. Uh, For the Rams' first pick in the second round, I don't know if I would go offense or defense first. But Toya, I'm going to go with offense and running back to boot. I like Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin for the Rams. He's a taller running back prospect at 5'10", and I like his upside. He's shown route running ability, and I think that would work well in Sean McVay's offense. Um, My second pick on the wish list in a deep wide receiver draft, I want a speedster. And if the Rams don't take Taylor with their first pick, I'd go with a wide receiver. I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson out of LSU. Jefferson has decent speed and can break away from his defender. All that would help the Rams well after the loss of Brandon Cooks. At 6'1", he's two inches taller than Cooks and projects to be better in the slot. It would be great if he excels on the outside because Cooper Cup is a great slot receiver, but maybe Cup could play well and put in Jefferson in the slot. The Rams mostly used three wide receivers and a tight end and went to using two tight ends late last season here and there. So if they pick Jefferson, the Rams still have Josh Reynolds, who's in the last year of his rookie deal, and he filled in well when Cup injured his knee in the 18th season. My final pick on the wish list, Toya, is uh, a kicker since Greg Zerline signed with uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, please don't laugh. I'm saying uh, he's uh, a good pick to draft because I know kickers don't always get drafted, but good ones do. Uh, The Rams desperately need a kicker because um, the loss of Zerline, Greg Zerline, I think is going to be tremendous for the Rams. And uh, uh, when Zerline did go down with a back injury uh, a couple seasons ago, really showed how much he meant to the team. Zerline has had some misses in his career, but proved he could kick beyond 50 yards. And Blakenship, Rodrigo Blakenship, out of Georgia, has the ability to kick some 50-plus yarders. That's why I like Blakenship, Toya, and that's why I draft uh, him using a draft pick, even a mid-rounder, to be sure to draft him. What do you think of those three picks on my wish list for the Rams to draft Montoya, Taylor out of Wisconsin, Jefferson out of LSU, and Blakenship out of Georgia? I am with you now to answer your question about these draft picks. The three has got to be the kid from LSU. You got to look at the, the system he played in, the level of competition that he saw. Um, he's taller than Cooks. Um, the only thing that concerns me is because of the Rams' offensive line was you guys had to go from a three three wide receiver set to two tight ends, as you mentioned, quite often. So that's going to be something that could hinder him. The next piece. Okay. Uh, so you were just finishing commenting on the wide receiver prospect Justin Jefferson out of LSU. Okay. So based off of the fact that the Rams 
had offensive line woes and he's more suited for the slot, as you were saying, um, he might not see a lot of playing time if they don't fix the offensive line because you guys are going to have to bring in the two tight end set just to keep Goss upright, um, as was displayed with what your comments were earlier. However, well, that's also if they can't get a running back who could block off. That's that's a valid point as well, but let's take a look at some of the running backs that could be coming out. I mean, how often do they actually end up, you know, in pass protection in a lot of these uh, college programs that are coming out right now? So um, if he can block, then yes, he's going to be a solid pick, even though I think he's the best of the three. Um, the biggest concern, the other, the other uh, piece that makes him a good pick is he's insurance for Cooper Cup, who seems to get hurt quite often. Um, the last, the next person who I think is another really good pick would be the running back you mentioned out of Wisconsin. Although traditionally, I would say you don't pick up Wisconsin backs. Take a look at the, what my Broncos did with Monte Ball. That was a huge bust. But if you look at Melvin Gordon, who they also have right now, um, he kind of turns the table on that. So it's kind of a 50-50 crapshoot with what you're going to get. But um, I, traditionally, I would say you don't pick up Wisconsin backs. The kicker, come on, kickers aren't people. You can't draft a pick a kicker until at least the sixth or seventh round. So while I, I think this okay, so be good. getting a mid rounder is too far for a kicker. But what about getting this guy? Say, uh, would you would uh, would uh, round five be too early to get Blankenship? Round five, I think, is a good opportunity to pick up a kicker because even some of those guys that you end up picking in the later rounds like that, in a lot of cases, they just end up being um, someone who sits through training camp. Well, okay. Uh, and I think Taylor and Jefferson are both projected to go maybe late first uh, to early second rounders. So I don't know if they'd be able to get to both Taylor and Jefferson. Uh Another knock on Taylor, though, was his usage rate at Wisconsin, um, that he may have um, been used too much. What do you think about that? Is there a durability concern with a running back who's had a lot of um, uh, playing time and uh, touches? Absolutely. Again, not to beat the dead horse with my Broncos, but let's take a look at Royce Freeman. What has he done since he came into the league? Um Lindsay was supposed to be the backup to him, but really he hasn't done much. <laughs> All right. Is that Aaron telling you you have to uh, wrap this up? Yes. <laughs> okay, Toya. Well, on that note, we're going to conclude our first edition of the LA Sports Roundtable, focusing on a nice discussion surrounding uh, uh, Thank you for joining me, Montoya, and until next time, we'll talk about the next topic on our next podcast. Take All care right. now. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. Have a great night. You too. All right. Take Bye. care now. Bye. Bye.